Alpine? Uh, yeah. What happened to the school? The school's been shut for years. Are you a parent? <laughs> sure as hell hope not. Who are you? I'm Hank. Hank McCoy. I look after the house now. You're a beast? Look at you. I guess you're a late bloomer. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. <clears throat> so where's the professor? There's no professor here. You're pretty strong for a scrawny kid. Come on. Sure, there's not a little beast in there. No. Come on, beast. He's not here. Come on, beastie. I said the school's closed. You need to leave. Not until I see the professor. There's no professor here. I told you that. Look, kid. You and I are going to be good friends. You just don't know it yet. Professor. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, hello, and welcome to episode 217 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow film buffs, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Buffing very much, thank you. Yeah, sorry about the delay, folks. I uh, I, I got married, so that's Dave what is a newly married buff. So they came, they came down here for the wedding, which was at the Carbis Bay Hotel. We finally got and, to meet all three of us, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then uh, the following week, I was back at work, and then we sort of suddenly made a last minute decision to go over to Romania where she's from so we went over to Romania for a week as well so that's why we've been away and then we come back and it's just taken us a while to sort of line our schedules up so that sounds sorry like about personally I went to Romania with you but we didn't sorry mm. yeah yeah I, I watched uh, this particular film about I, I knew there'd be a break around the wedding but I, I thought we'd record probably the week after and then we just couldn't so I, I was expecting to record this about three weeks ago so I watched Days of well, the film <laughs> about three weeks ago and um, just over. And of course, I've had to watch it again today. Oh. So we are back. Sorry for the delay. Um, Becca, what are we covering tonight? Tonight we are eventually recovering. Sorry about the delay, everybody. So, yes, tonight we are doing X-Men Days of Future Past, starring Hugh Jackman, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Halle Berry, Law, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, Elliot Page, Anna Paquin, Ian McAllen, Patrick Stewart and many more. With original music by John Ottman, with a script by Simon Kinberg, Jane Goldman, story by Matthew Vaughan, directed by Brian Singer and released 2014. I thought you said Jude Law then. You oh no. Jude. I was like... Sorry, uh, J-Law. I've got it written down next to the name so long. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't watched the talented Mr Ripley by mistake, have you? <laughs> no, but I uh, like to do those films. But, no, the Alfie remake. Add, add it to the list. Oh, the Alfie remake was bloody awful. Um, oh, that was terrible. Oh my gosh. It was. I think I, I walked out of it. I don't think I walked out, but it was like, I, I can't believe how, uh, what's it all about? And a couple of the other lines Alfie came out with was all that film I'd going for it. And it was surprisingly dark in places as well. Just when you thought, yeah. yeah, just when you thought he couldn't be more of a dick, he does manage to become more of a dick. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the original Alfie though? In the original Alfie's dark, has dark moments. and Yeah, it does. It does, to be fair, but it's just, it's just. The remake Alfie takes it to stuff. another level and it's like, oh. Yeah, it really does. But uh, anyway. There's no favours. No. Um, 
And he's made so, better films, so I felt a bit sorry for Jude Law. And I'm sadly not appearing in this film. Yeah, Days of Future Past then. I had uh, very mixed feelings uh, around this film. I was pleased to see another one with the uh, first class crew. But I had two sort of, maybe three things holding me back on full sort of excitement about it. Because although the story was by Jane Goldman, who was known to be sort of a Matthew Vaughan acolyte, uh, the screenplay was by Simon Kinberg. And I just don't rate that guy as a writer particularly. That's not to say everything he's ever done is poor, but my hopes weren't particularly high. And it's a sign of how the times were passing that Brian Singer coming back wasn't necessarily a positive. You know, when I think, all right, in my case, I was interested to see what he'd do with Superman because Superman means a bit more to me than the X-Men. But purely from an X-Men perspective, it's very disappointing when he dropped out after X2. But of course, then he comes that when he comes back to do this, it's almost. Well, I mean, what had he done in the interim? Had he had he done Jack the Giant Slayer at this point? He definitely done Valkyrie, which was okay, but nowhere near as good as its pedigree should have suggested it would be. And he was a filmmaker that already sort of looked a little bit in decline, without any of the sort of salacious suggestions about his personal life. It was already clear something wasn't quite right with this guy. So I was a little. It, and the other thing that was holding me back was actually, although it's one of the selling points of the film, and quite a positive, probably, I almost didn't like the idea of bringing the old crew back. It, it just felt a bit like, um, it felt like an easy, an easy box office decision, as opposed to like the slightly more difficult commercial decision of stick with this new younger crew and build them a story. Um, and then the final thing, which I'd forgotten when I went into this, was the fact that it was going to go forward, uh, I think, to 11 years. And I just, uh, that's going to be a problem in future weeks. I didn't, in, in, in and of itself, have a problem with them setting an X-Men film in the 70s. Um, but I just thought we were missing 11 years of, of that group's story for a film that was only going to be three. So that that's my background going into it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember what, Going in, I reckon I would would have been excited. Um, going in, excited, I saw this. I mean, this was like the height in the midst of Marvel, and like you know, I used to go to like big night screenings. Well, you could you could argue this is Marvel's strongest year, can't you? This this is the year of uh, of Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, and oh, the first yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. So certainly, oh, certainly from the years they were releasing two a year, two thousand and fourteen was their strongest year. You could make a case for like I think I can't remember if it's seventeen or eighteen now without looking. You can make a case for at least one other year, but this is probably the the, the height of sort of phase two of Marvel. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's well that peak of going to like midnight screenings, uh, and I remember, and, and this is what kind of, I think ultimately this kind of made me realize I watched this at a midnight screening, and I I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to enjoy it. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just like the fact I'm just going to a mid- like a midnight screening. I don't know. Made made me sort of like doubt it uh, to a degree. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But there was a lot of hype, a lot of buzz around it. I think a, a, I remember a lot of people enjoyed it at the time. Um. I think, but I I don't know. I've always been a bit standoffish with this one, and I'll get into our. First thoughts in a bit, but I'm I'm generally lukewarm a bit. I could probably take this one and leave it. I think personally, uh, but um, yeah. But I, or, or, but what I'm, first impressions are really I, 
for first memories, I, I was I felt very kind of yeah, it's all right with a lot of praise coming from like the press and and from like just just general opinions, just sort of like mm. lauding it. Um, so I, I was kind of a bit like, oh, it's it's all right. It's not I've had some great. of that with Shang Shang Chi in the last couple of weeks. Shang Chi has had decent reviews all Mar- all marvel studios films do now and, and there's no conspiracy theory in that they're being paid off why would they be paying anyone off they're making buttloads of money um but i do occasionally feel like i've watched a different film from everybody else and, and shang chi was very very lower tier marvel for me and its third act was like far fucking yeah too long. and Just... I, I, but i liked it but it was like it was a, it was the definition of a three-star film it... for me yeah, Shang Chi um, was fine, but yeah, um, I, I, if we did, if if it set the tape, we did half half stars. I'd have given it three and a half, but I gave I gave it three because there was no way I could yeah. give it four. I would say, um, just if you want a, like an honest, honest opinion, just sort of just that, have a have a have a ask yourself an honest question: Are you generally excited for the next Shang Li film? And if and you know, and if I'm honest, I enjoy I enjoyed Shang Li when it was on, but I'll be honest. I really couldn't get. I couldn't really. I really couldn't give a shit. <laughs> it had some of the things that are in some of the better Marvel films, and it had some of the things that are in some of the weaker films. They've never. They've never done an unwatchable piece of dreck. They haven't. Even the worst Marvel films are okay, and um, it's not bargain basement, but it's bottom half. There's no doubt. And yet, I go on to like Facebook, and I see like Tony Black saying, "Oh, it's it's right up there with." Um, Black Panther it's, it's possibly like joint best origin film yeah and I, I, I like, I'll always respect his opinion I'm, I'm not I'm not ra- I'm not raising his name to have a go at him I'm raising his name as someone who writes in lots of different outlets about film has recorded a lot about film and always has a considered opinion and I I felt a little bit about Shang-Chi that I could watch the different film to everyone else fine though it was but it you know it was like it was a bit like Black Widow. Black Widow was just fine as well. I think Phase 4 has not caught fire at all yet. The most interesting thing in Phase 4 so far has been WandaVision. Um, but and even that's think... all surface area. Exactly. Um, but it at least interested me that they were putting a new spin on some things, you know, and trying yeah. something a bit different. I mean, um, yeah. I, 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 I was really disappointed by Loki. Um, it, but even then, I didn't slaughter it. I just think, I just think their output in this phase has been average, and I think maybe that's an inevitable come down after the heights they reached, and they'll build something again. They've got to build all new stars again now as well. You know, we knew the people that were there before, but I think I'm trying to tie it back to this before we we pass to Becca that I got a little bit of that with this film. Without, I'll, I'll go into it in a minute with my first thoughts, but I definitely had this feeling that like people had seen a different film to me becca yeah i sort of seem to remember being quite hyped for this back in the day it seemed to me that it had kind of quite a lot after um oh god first class um i had a lot riding on it um and kind of in terms of like its emotional heft as well and i think yeah. a lot of my friends who, who have seen it as well obviously they, they'd grown up reading the comics and everything and kind of thought oh this is kind of where it all they do have a chance to try and iron out some of the wibbly wobbly tummy mummy bits um and try and close some of those gaps that have been made with the previous films um 
uh, yeah, so I seem to remember, you know, coming out of this upon really thinking, oh, yeah, it was okay. Perhaps it kind of just struggled under the kind of the the, the weight of some of its parts. Perhaps it didn't quite make those connections. Um, and then, yeah, watching it again for the show, I had a similar sort of reaction to you guys. It, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, it's not it's not great, but then it's not bottom tier X Men either. Um, I did kind of appreciate more like the emotional aspects of it as well. Um, and again, you've got a lot of the returning cast as well. But no, I, I still enjoyed it. As I say it wasn't. It was okay. It was fine. <laughs> Quite lightweight review there. Um, but yeah, we can get stuck into it as we go through it in a sequential fashion. Well, just to give my first thoughts then, but it, is that effectively your first thoughts as well, Becca, that it's just fine at this stage? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah. I obviously watched this for, when we reviewed it a few weeks ago, but then obviously things happened um, yeah. and I perhaps didn't have much. Sadly, I've, I've come into this film, but I've got fun facts which I've scraped from the barrel of, of the internet, the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I must have From the depths of IMDb trivia. Well, actually, yeah, not wholly from IMDb, but other places of Tinterbabs as well. Um, but yeah, Wikipedia just... too, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> written by people. It's prime yeah. um, prime scrapings. But yeah, I've come into this a little bit under underprepared, unfortunately, because I obviously have watched it. Um, so I really haven't watched it a few recently, but um, I thought oh, I must. Obviously, we had a few weeks gap in between, um, which is also partly due to my fault. Um, but the thing is, that kind of... I, I wasn't in in a good place and kind of ran out of time a little bit, unfortunately, as well. Um, uh, I, 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 want to say, I just want to say something else at the outset before I go into a, my opening thoughts. I'm very, um, apart from having slightly outrageous views sometimes, um, I don't ever like to offend people deliberately. So I will correctly refer to Elliot Page. But just remember, this is a female character. Oh, Elliot gosh, is so playing I... in this Oh, film. no, yeah, I've got Elliot Page so written down, so that's if, okay. If I am referring to Kitty Pride uh, uh, as a female, as a female, uh, that's what the character is. And no offence is intended, but I will correctly refer to the actor as a male and as Elliot yeah. Page. Yep, good point. Um, on my, on, on just for my opening thoughts, um, I, I, I came out disappointed with it as well. Um, now, time has put it into that sort of loose set second category. I mean, for me, the top the top X Men films are in no particular order: X Two, Logan, First Class. They're the top three, and I couldn't quite. But the, the second sort of category has the first X Men film in it, probably the Wolverine. And I would say this, and I would say this is probably at the top end of it because it's quite an ambitious film. It's got an excellent cast. It's certainly very well acted. There are some emotional moments in it, but I think it's all. I think it's all um, undone by its complete disregard for fucking continuity. Now, continuity errors are continuity errors, but we saw we saw like Charles die, and we saw Charles die eight years before this film came out. So even if you didn't, you know, if you didn't stay to the mid credits and hear his voice, and even that's only a tease, and we don't really know what's happened, they throw him in at the end of the Wolverine, and you think, right. Uh, that's two years later and he's he's still got his um bone claws and they find him at the airport and it's like well how's he's still alive and how's he got his powers but okay they'll explain all this in next year's film next year's film is now set in the deep into the 2020s when we were back in 2014 and he's got adamantium claws again so this is going to be a problem when we get to next week there's a tease at the end of this film that Wolverine being taken by Stryker isn't as it looks, where it was in the next film, that's all like shat on. So, it, it, you know... Yeah, so, it sort of mess around with major problems with the timeline. It's just easy to have to stick with a pinch of salt into, there, and you think, oh, really? You're straight, you're straight into a future war scene, which is kind of distancing anyway, because it's so abrupt. 
And then you've got like Xavier floating in on a on a who, who we don't even know where he's been, what's wrong with him, how far because X Men was always the near future. That could mean anything. Twenty twenty four or whatever, whenever this film was set could actually just be a year or two after X Men. You don't know, but it certainly doesn't look like it. So it all just feels like an opportunity. And plus, I know it's not Wolverine in the in the comic book who who undertakes this journey. But again, it's the Wolverine show. And I don't I felt with them going and doing like a spin off Wolverine film and doing a, a, an early crew story that gave you two different avenues to go down. Right. So when you shove Wolverine back here in this with another lead character who most of the audience will think is dead, you're basically saying to me, you don't really care about the audience. This is just about maximizing the dollar. And that's how I feel about this film. But I think Becca hit on something very clever in saying it's less than the sum of its parts, because some of the parts in this are great. In more capable hands, this could have been a top tier uh, X-Men film, as Tony Black, for example, thinks of this as as well. And I I wouldn't I wouldn't um, make fun of anyone who put this top tier because you like what you like but it just falls short for me and it's because it's disjointed and it's kind of it shits on its own it shits on its own backstory i like the reset at the end i think that gave them a nice blank slate which they immediately fucked up again um but so they enjoy good, that next time oh, that was gosh. lovely at the end just that little cameo from kelsey grammar and stuff I, I there's things i like about it but i did come out disappointed because the story felt like it was going to be first class but with a ton more ambition and what it turns out to be is a little bit of a mess to be honest mm, it has, as i say it had a lot of ambition but it kind of didn't for me it just sort of didn't really live up to it unfortunately but, but I say, in terms of well in terms of like the plot and story but in terms of like visuals action spectacle top of the board definitely you know top, top of the class even yeah um, and i must just add when i say it's a mess i'm still saying it's like top of that middle banding of like x-men films i, I didn't have a bad time with it but I'm saying that, like, in two films' time, we get Logan. Last week, we got the Wolverine, which had problems, but I enjoyed. But the crew, this team, the you know, the McA- McAvoy and Fassbender, took their bow with First Class, which is arguably the um, arguably one of the best X-Men films. And I mm, think that was it's, great. I, it's, ter- it's certainly taken at least half a step backwards here. Chris? Fassbender alone was fantastic. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with what you said. I think it's very well made there's certain there's a definite quality to to it for, for sure um the, the first class um cast are really great um I, I think actually what does let it down is the idea of bringing both the new and the old together uh and while that that what was exciting at the time because I, I reckon i was probably excited for it um you know I can't help now. I can't help but thinking, you know, the old what this old what this film ultimately um, boils down to is just just a bunch of fan service. Like it, it, it felt like they've lost their nerve. It, the studio has lost its nerve. Here. And I, and and I can, and I can understand why there was a lot of hype and a lot of excitement and why a lot of people did enjoy it, but. I don't mean to sound degrading to the people who generally do enjoy it, but it's almost like a kid with his toys banging together, you know, like kind of like getting overexcited, you know, you know, like when you think about like whatever meme or it is about, you know, some sort of geek just sort of 
jizzing over whatever, like, you know, the fantasies, like, oh my god, we've got, like, the, you know, the new cast and the old cast, and they all get together for one film, oh my god, and, you, and it's like, oh yeah, but the result isn't particularly great, is it? You know what I mean? It's like, just just because, you, you know, just because you get excited by, by a prospect or something, doesn't mean it's actually a good idea, and I think that's basically what's happening here, is they've, they've jumped the gun too much on, on, like, oh, we've got the old cast, and we've got the new cast, let's get them together for one big film, and let's do Days of Future Past, uh, which is was quite a lauded graphic novel of the X Men. Um, yeah, and it's quite a, a, it's quite a lyrical title as well. Days of Future Past flows very well. When it was first announced, I was like, "That's a really cool idea." Yeah, mm. and yeah, and, and, and yeah, it has some good sequences, and well, I mean, it you know it does have um, some plot issues. That I just think, what the fuck are you thinking? We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, Particularly, we you know as Charles can walk again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, that, but, pisses, I, that pisses me off. I mean, again... that, that that speaks to your continuity, though, Dave, because it's like you know, it's like because they're there like, well, we're really, we can't really have um, Charles in a wheelchair. Um, so, so what you're saying? Can't, is there was so a we need to find a reason. Yes. Effectively, <laughs> but it's just a vaccine you have to keep taking. It, it 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 alleviates the symptoms. It's not a cure in the same way as it was in like the last stand, but at the same time, they're they're reacting in the last stand like Jesus, what a breakthrough! When there's been over three decades of them being able to suppress their symptoms if they want. But this time, that is like, hang on, you, you, you've just you've just called like you you just effectively called hand, you know people who are handicapped, like you know, I mean, yeah, sure. Be mute, you know, be muted to you'd be basically who would like lose their powers for it, but I'm sure there'll be like non mutants who are in who are paralegic who are in wheelchairs who'd be like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll eject myself every day to walk, but you please, yeah, surely. I mean, th- this and, is not a medical breakthrough. He was this, shot in the spine, we saw it. This is a medical breakthrough. I mean, it, it, even if like it works like for 20% of the people, it's still a medical but breakthrough. I, I would understand it if his mutation over time caused him to lose his legs somehow. Yeah. Use of his legs. I wouldn't accept the explanation being somehow. I'd need to know whatever fig leaf of an explanation they'd give that. But the but we know he was shot in the back. We saw it happen. But all you gotta do is take the thing and you can walk just fine. Mm. Um but 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 then but then but then the last film that's kind of last film's fault because as I said they kind of rushed He's like, we didn't need to see how he lost like use of his legs at that point because we've gone way, way far in the past. That it could be any old reason. You don't have to explain and from it. From now there. on, they're going to be obsessed with jumping forward like ten years at a time. But yeah. it, it becomes a real problem next week, and it becomes actually quite laughable by the last one because you got characters in it who are meant to be like, well, it depends. But certainly by the last one, you'd expect Fastbender to be sixty something. Mm. Um, and he and he still looks like you know Fassbender, who's around my age. They so, don't even put greys in his hair. No, so I I just think that this is the start of them getting lazy again, and and it's no surprise to me that we've only really got one really good X Men film after this. I have problems with that film, by the way, but it is pretty universally lauded, and I'm going to be kind to Logan. Uh, for the most part, Chris and I talked about it two or three years or four years ago now when we did a summer review and we both had big, big problems with the final act of that film. But we were very kind to it and its ambition and so on. Even that shit's on um, continuity because there's a character in that who's 
something else entirely in the previous year's film and so on. But we've only got one great one left, and it comes from James Mangold. It doesn't come from this sort of little Brian Singer sort of clique and production, you know? Mm. Um, I, I think this is the start of a... Well, this is this is confirmation that Brian Singer is, is never again going to reach the sort of standards he hit with, like, The Usual Suspects and even X2. Um, I, I can, I can feel some listeners going like shocked, like, oh my god, how are you not praising? <laughs> um, so, apologies, yeah, but, I mean, apologies but I, listeners. I, I think, what, yeah, but I don't think it's a bad film. I, no, I it, it's I not. I, don't... I mean, and, and, and that's the weird thing, because, you know, there is definite quality in it, but it's like Becca, like, it's like, like I said, you know, like, and Becca's been apologetic for not remembering much of how, how she feels straight away, but if I'm honest... I don't it think we're going to say that. Yeah, well, no, but, yeah, but, but that's, yeah, but that's my point, Becca. It's like, it, I, I don't think that's you. I mean, I mean, I kind of, I, I, I felt that way. Just, I probably feel that way straight after watching it. I'll I like, watched it this morning, and it wasn't going. Having to be fair, I'd seen it. It's Sunday. I, I wasn't going to watch <laughs> it properly again, but I was going to stick it on, and I might be doing a few other things as well. And it just washed and let it wash over me. If I said to you now, and I'm not going to, don't worry. If I said, right, we're not going to do this film. We're going to do a review of The Dark Knight now. I bet we could still oh talk about it. We could do it. We could do it, though. We wouldn't be a million miles off, particularly as you've got the odd prompt on your screen, like, you know, a synopsis or whatever. But you could talk about it in an informed way. This film just, like, fades. It does. Mm. But it, it, there's nothing in it offensive like what we're going to come to. There's just a bit of a lack of care in places. And individual parts are great. But overall, it starts off with a war scene I don't care about. Patrick Stewart is supposed to be dead wheeling in. Never any attempt to explain anything. Last time we saw Logan, he had bone claws. Now he has adamantium claws. It's like, what? Well, so he's put himself through that ex- you know terrible experimentation again, has he? Yeah, he's uh, fast and loose with the timeline. But again, that's, you know, that, I think that's but, kind of... Obviously, you can't the, have the same director running all the way through. That's kind of what you get with different, you know, different teams. Creative differences, Becca, though, because I remember Mangold saying something, or it may have been Jackman. One of the two of them said at um, the end of the Wolverine, when they were promoting it, they said those bone claws aren't going anywhere. You know, don't expect to just go back to adamantium next film. Next film, adamantium. So there's there's clearly a little bit of a fight going on at the centre of Fox over the direction of this series, and I think effectively the suits have won. Mm, yeah, it does become a little bit like by by committee towards the end, but I think next week is apocalyptic to say the least. Oh, terrible. <laughs> we'll, well, well, I mean, movie. like it's kind of like how uh, what, what me Dave were saying about Shang Chi. Um, it's like, well, yeah, it's it, it it's decent enough, and and people seem to have enjoyed it. But is anyone generally excited or or, or remember much? That much about well, the it. Thing I remember, Everyone quite liked the film. <laughs> just, just leaping forward. I've what, already rated four stars. Apocalypse. No, Shang Chi. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, God, oh, no, that's no, no, no. Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you this much. Like, I, 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 um, I was watching this when I, when I initially watched this at home, like a few, like a week or so ago. Um, Nick, my partner, came downstairs and, uh, and, and she like watched the last half, and she's like. I'm in a mood for watching Apocalypse now, so we watched Apocalypse, and and, and I'll, 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 I'll be honest, this might sound sacrilege to everyone here, but um, I enjoyed that a lot better than my my watching of this. You know. Well, to I, be I, fair, I, I've seen Apocalypse. Enough, I've, got, I've seen Apocalypse once. You know, I need to watch it again. I'm very good at watching things with an open mind. So if I'm giving you any opinion on Apocalypse now, 
Uh, uh, not apocalypse. <laughs> on apocalypse at the moment. We do all the war movies. Um, we'll cover it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say that it is subject to change in the next week because I'd have to watch things with an open mind but mm. there was a shot at the end of this film there's a teaser for the next film mm, and there's good. and there's basically Oscar Isaac's character but in its previous body um, and there are the four horsemen of the apocalypse sat across from him doing nothing and I thought that's exactly what they're going to do in next week's film because he gets some more, he gets some mutants to just stand around him and do fuck all. Looks stylish. But um, there you go. We'll come, we'll come to that next week. But um, <laughs> this is, um, uh, yeah. Let's get this straight. If you go back and listen to my review of X Men, or go back and listen to my review of the Wolverine, I put this film in the same general area quality wise. The reason it, it annoys me more is the Wolverine followed was was a spin off anyway. You know, um, X, X, the first X Men was the first go round at it, but this is this is following you know first class in the main series, and I just think first class is just a, a better made film from a let's be honest a better filmmaker at this stage. Um, you know, Brian Singer had the biggest high with the X uh, with um, the Usual Suspects, uh, the Usual Suspects in his career. I mean. Mm. That guy should have had a very, very special career. Well, time and time and distance from it has, has proven he, do, he he really doesn't, you know. And the man, for various reasons we've been into before, will not get work anymore. And so his his Heinz is you know his his goodbye will be being fired from Bohemian Rhapsody, which was an extremely average film in itself, um, just with a, an absolutely extraordinary performance at the centre of it. So it, it, it is a step back. And I think, you know, and I was disappointed because Matthew Vaughan went off to do Kingsman. And of course, before a new IP comes out, you'd never heard of it, have you? Mm. So you're like, oh, he's going to go off and do some shit I've never heard of. All oh, right. And then Kingsman came out. And I'm and like, it's massive. Oh, I was like, yeah, I'm all right with that. Three like, films later. Didn't like this. Didn't like the uh, sequel much, but I like the first one. Anyway, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Yes. Um, so we begin with typical X-Men fashion, uh, with Patrick Stewart uh, monologuing over over cutscenes of uh, Terminator Genesis, yeah. um, <laughs> which mm. uh, which is an amazing scene. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's a year. I've been i been shot yet. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, no, they would have been shooting it around the time this was released. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure on the dates, but um... I, I think Genesis was um, 2015, I think, and this was 2014. But yeah, yeah um, that sort of time, the same sort of time, wasn't it? I think it was um, the least interesting voiceover he's done, though. The, the ones he did, because I can't remember it. I'm looking at it on the um, synopsis now, and I, I actually don't really remember it. Do you? Well, no, it's just the usual, like. Uh... Yeah, it's become a bit of a sort of cliche almost at this point, hasn't it? It's yeah. like, a well-known sort of trope of the like, series. Everything is lost, you know. All is lost. Blah 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 blah. So blah, the blah, Sentinels blah. were there to kill, were created by humans to hunt and kill mutants. That's going to be the story of this film, really. Mm. Also, because uh, in this film is set in like 2023, it's meant to be happening in the next couple of years. So we'll start watching the skies, people. Well, to be <laughs> or fair, not, um, as the case may be. To be fair, we already had like. Terminator last year, you know. No, the, that's uh, true. The one. Uh, they they didn't foresee the pandemic though. No, they didn't. Um, 
So we go straight into, and I, I think this is one of my problems with the film. I think I think early scenes in films are very important to me in, in drawing me in. It sounds so obvious, but, you know, if you don't grab me early, that's not always a problem. I've got pretty good concentration. But if, if I form a little bit of a detachment from a film early, that can be a problem. And I did here because we go straight into this war scene with like mutants we recognize from the original series i think we see bobby drake we we certainly see um kitty pride we see um storm and so on but with no context i couldn't care less well they're kind of fighting the sentinels by running away essentially yeah which is uh, very exciting and, and, and kitty pride's got this uh new ability to transport uh people not not physically into the past, but their their minds into their former selves. Yeah. Um. So it's like you know transporting to, to you back to when you and were it will like... be and it will be a it will be a waste of Elliot Page here because they ha- they have to spend the whole film just looking a bit physically under stress while they put their hands right next to Wolverine's head. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think this is what I mean by it feels a very much fan servicey and it yeah. feels almost like um it, it, it this i think this part of the film lacks a certain quality i mean there there is, there is effort in the the fight sequences uh, i mean they're, they're yeah. all like using their powers together creatively yeah, and you've got these little sort of portals they work well mm. we've seen them in other films but yeah um but they're about to be wiped out by the Sentinels. Yes. Uh, we've got no context for where this is. I mean, you, you, you assume Earth, obviously. But I mean, is this post-apocalyptic or is it just the building mm. they're in? I'm, I'm not really completely sure. But, but again, um, like, she's got this new ability to do that. It's like, well, that's never explained. It's just like, oh, right, you're, oh she can do it. Okay. You know. She, yeah, she has the gift. Of, she has the, uh, the mutant power of exposition. Uh, <laughs> really. Um... <laughs> Of plot point and so, so yeah. Uh, to be honest, the whole point of this sequence is to set up that power, mm. uh, because we see her apply it to a different mutant, um, and she he loses consciousness, and the Sentinels are winning, but at some point they kind of that she's done something with this character in the past to stop this event happening, yeah. and all of the damage just disappears and you've got a, a deserted building um i don't know what to think about it I, I i feel distanced from it but i can imagine people would watch this spot characters they know and say well i'm intrigued i wonder how, how did they get to this what is it she's just done well we instantly get patrick stewart uh, yeah, this just off. felt. I, I, I hope I don't use this word too. I, I hope I concentrate enough not to use this word too many more times. But this just feels abrupt to me. This is just abrupt. It's just suddenly, all right. There's our original crew just dumped right in the middle of this film. We don't know how they're there. Mm. We saw them pick up uh, Wolverine last year at the airport. Um, now you you shouldn't have to have seen that film to see this. But if you're going to tease something like that, then there should be some kind of link, surely. Yeah. Did they just take him dinner and dancing for ten years and then I don't know. Well, like the end of the world's happening and and blah de blah and mm. um and it, it a lot of it is explaining like right well what are we going to do you know we're like this is like this is our last stand so to speak 
Um, yeah. We, we, you know, we, we know the exact point on which this all happened, which yeah. was essentially um, Raven slash Mystique um, sh- shoots... Um, Ball of Atrask. Yes. Who was a fairly sizable black guy in the first couple of films. <laughs> Wasn't he black? I can't remember. He, yeah. was, he, was, certainly, he was certainly a regular size. Played, played by Bill Duke. Oh, Bill Duke. I know Bill Duke. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a bit of um, bit of recasting, hasn't there? I think in the uh, in the interim. Every time they do something like that, I mean, it's one thing to take Edward Norton and go, "We haven't got him anymore." Mark Ruffalo, they don't really look alike, but they are men of a certain age and similar build, same ethnicity, all that sort of thing. And even if they weren't exactly the same ethnicity, I'd probably overlook that without any great problems. But this this just screams disregard for the audience. And once again, what's the biggest TV show in the world at the point where they're casting this? And again, it's just like, let's just get a star name in because he was sort of the breakout star of that show. Because uh, we're talking a Game of Thrones, of course, where he really sort of his fame really went to another level. But anyway, we are where we are. And it, you, you we're given the impression that Kitty Pride's ability to do this with this bishop guy is just stalling things they, they need to do something a bit more um profound and xavier wants to go back send his own consciousness back to mm. when the sentinels were first launched and that is in 1973 and as chris just said that's the year mystique who's a complete renegade at this point uh, assassinates bolivar trask um, but instead of stopping the Sentinel program, it basically speeds it up because they now see mutants as a threat. Yeah. Um, again, in the previous X Men films, no mention of Sentinels. Um, um, I think they're in. I think they're in the sort of danger room at the start of X Three in the um, simulation. Yeah. They're fighting Sentinels, and I. But you I think there will be what... a, a like a bigger point, though, wouldn't you? I'll use it for the last word, abrupt. Everything about this film is abrupt. It is a bit, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but all right, we are where we are now. This is the plot we're going to be given. Mm. Um, and the, the the sort of exposition bollocks to explain why it has to be the more marketable Hugh Jackman that goes back in time is uh, not physically strong enough to take mm. Kitty Pride's power. So Wolverine... Um, has to convince them. Has to go back yeah. in time and and not only find them but also convince them. And uh, I, I I do love this is like pure expedition, but it's just like you know I was a very different man back then. And Agnelito is like, and you 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 must unite us where we could never be further apart. It's you like must, you, you it's like it, it's like red on the back of the DVD box, isn't it? <laughs> it, it's, it is. It's written for a trailer. Yeah. You know, it, it, whenever I think of trailer dialogue, my mind always goes first to die another day when M says to uh, Miranda Frost, what do you know about James Bond? And then she just spills out exposition to be intercut with action in a, in a trailer if they so decide to do that. I don't know whether they ever did. I've seen trailers for that film, yeah. but I can't remember if they used it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. And I, and I just think that that's a bit of that. But again, I, I don't want to pick on it too badly. They're setting up the story. We've got to... The other thing is character development is just thrown away. 
Uh, we, we get it with Wolverine in some of these films, particularly next week where he's just absolutely mm. wild again. But Charles went on a journey in the first film. At the start of that film, he was a bit of a womanizer, a bit lacking in seriousness, and he discovered a purpose, and it was that school. And now we've got a, a disused school and him walking around with uh, as an allegory for a drug addict. With a chip on his uh, shoulder. And a massive chip Just on his shoulder. And it was like, you were quite well adjusted before. And I know stuff's happened in between us. People have died. I know that's all in the plot. But it's, it is it, it is just it is just a little bit of a retcon to get around the fact that they want to undo all the character development in order to do it again. Because they mm. probably, as much as I like First Class, they probably did do too much in First Class. He was too far on at the end of that film. Um... So uh, Wolverine is going to be sent into the past where he finds he's been yeah. unmixed. Where, they, where they're like, yeah, where they go, oh well. Um, so uh, where are you, Magneto? Oh, you'll I, I, see. If, <laughs> if they were genuine, if 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 they had no like, if they were actually saying what the studio were thinking, Xavier would volunteer to go past back, and Hugh Jackman would say, "No, I'm far more marketable than you, and I'll go back and show my bum." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> which is effectively what happens immediately. He's still in the shape he was in for the Wolverine. I think they shot them pretty much back to back. And I, I now I always think of um, I always think of Alan Partridge when he talks about Bond in this, where it's like when he when he, when he goes back to the present, he wakes up and he, of yes, course he's with, he's with the lady. <laughs> he's naked with her, you know. Um. Uh, I can't. Remember. I think the episode is called "Never Say Alan Again." It's from yeah. series two of "I'm Alan Partridge." If you go and look that up and see if you can just find the clip of him describing the spy you love me and acting out the pre-title, we've mentioned it loads of times before. But not everyone's from this country who listens, and not everyone who even is from this country would have seen "I'm Alan Partridge." Sure and rather, rather than watch twelve episodes of it, just just go and look up that episode. Um, so he's now back in and in bed with a lady. Uh, three three guys burst in as he's getting dressed, but not as he's before shagging the mob boss's um, wife. Or but yeah. he doesn't he doesn't remember it's somebody he shagged years ago. And bear in mind, he had the silver bullet after this in real time, so he probably doesn't even remember this woman at all. Mm. Um, uh, he does have bone claws in the past. Obviously, because he hasn't had the treatments, which were late seventies, if you remember X Men Origins Wolverine, <laughs> and it's just a little quick action sequence where he sort of takes on these mob bosses and sort of steals their car. Yeah, he kind of you know stabs him with his bone claws. So this is basically what they meant by, oh no, the bone claws are staying, as in like we're going to go back to. Yeah, but we meant in real time, your pillocks, not show us <laughs> it before he has them. It's it's like, no, he's going to tease it's, that, and then... Not, well, I, I've got to be careful not to be a hypocrite here, because I have said, just because something's not explained explicitly, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, ho- a plot hole. It, we, we don't always have to be told everything. But when you're actually saying in publicity, oh, yeah, the bone claws are staying, you know, that the, the, there's permanent consequences from his story in this film... Uh. And he's picked up at an airport in what we presume to be present day or close to. And then 
it's like we need you now and the next year he's adamantium claws and 10 years in the future it's like well and bolivar trask is like a little person that's like okay you don't give a shit about your audience do you um so i think next we're introduced to bolivar trask aren't we yeah so this is basically where he sort of you know pictures his plan really uh yeah. so, so i'm all of trask and this is my vision yeah i mean it's inelegant storytelling but it's it's efficient enough it's like this is setting up mm. the main plot of the film yeah the mutants are a threat um the committee don't agree um it, that tension i don't mind the idea that that tension has been there for like decades i mean next men was sort of painted almost like it was a new thing but okay it, it, maybe there is that tension there and it might depend what politicians are in the ascendance it might pretend uh, depend what party's in power might depend who's you know in congress it might depend who's president uh, you can imagine that over time the balance of power between they're a threat we can coexist with them will shift and shift again and shift again and we're at a stage where uh, Trask is almost trying to convince them mutants are, are threats in the same way as the senator in the first film although the senator is very successful in that um, what then they're not funding it are they they're not funding no, no, this they, they, they kind of like they're like no at this point in time um, yeah. and then we have um, Mystique uh, going in and relieving some of the um, Meeting soldiers who have been yeah. used. Now, earlier this summer, out came The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which we have reviewed on an earlier show, folks, if you haven't heard it. And I heard there was a post-title sequence. So I waited to the end, ready for my tease for the next world-beating instalment in the Andrew Gar Garfield trilogy. And it was this scene. Uh, there was some deal done to do with moving dates. I think they were going to clash originally, and Fox said, we'll shift, but you're going to stick a, a, a trailer for, effectively, um, a, a scene from our film at the end of yours. So I'd already seen this film, uh, this scene, sorry. And it is basically William Stryker trying to take a group of mutants. Who's the actor? I recognise the actor. Who's playing Stryker in this film? Uh, I, I, isn't it, it, it? It looks like it... Hang on, I'm going to look it up, because that... I could be wrong, but it looks like it's um it looks like a Dylan. I don't think it is, but it looks like a Dylan. Like you know, like Matt Dylan, Kevin Dylan, it looks like one of them. No, it, I think it might be a Quaid. Uh hang on. Josh Hellman. No, completely wrong then. You're thinking of Dennis Quaid in Thingy's son Jack Quaid, yeah. Yeah. Um he was in Fury Road. Which is funny because he looks a touch like Nicholas Holt, who was also in it, I think. Uh, he was in Jack Reacher. He's in Apocalypse next week. Um, I've got a feeling I've seen him in other things as well. It may just be I've seen him in X-Men films a few times now. He was in Home and Away. <laughs> so I don't know if that means he's Australian or what. He played a character called Jeb in Jack Reacher, but I don't remember that character. Is, is he one of the guys at the bar Jack Reacher beats up? in the street he Could is isn't be. he he is yeah he is okay um and he's done a mixture of things including tv and tv films so he's not wildly successful but he's perfectly good in this yeah okay so 
uh, this sequence is basically um, Mystique trying to stop him taking these mutants. Mm. Um, so turns up as an officer and then turns out to be Mystique, takes out, you know, takes out them all out, doesn't get to kill um, Stryker, but um, uh, Havoc is there. Havoc, I believe, is, is, is it the brother or the father? I think it's the brother of Scott brother. Summers, Havoc. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be 37, the character, in next week's film. But there you go. And look about <laughs> 22. Um, so the mutants are safe and Mystique walks away. And that's that's the little sort of thing we got at the end of the Spider-Man film. We, we see uh, Toad as well. It's, it won't be Ray Park, though, will it? No, no. No, okay. Um, I mean, why they brought back Toad, I don't know. It's just like... It's just... And Toad, Toad wasn't that interesting a character. He's one of the missteps of that first film, I thought. But whatever. You're just seeing its mutants and you're starting to build the world we know. So I don't really mind. Mm. But now we get to Logan going to the, uh, Ma- the Xavier mansion, which is in, like, not external disrepair, but it needs a bit of TLC. You know, it's almost like the place has been shut for years. Um, and it's just basically Hank um, and Xavier living there. That's mm. it. It's no longer a school. Um, Hank doesn't want to let him in at all and um, basically starts punching him. I don't know if he's just trying to get him to transfer form or not. I'm not quite sure what his goal in this sequence is because there's no reason for him to transform. I think it's quite a funny scene. I wonder if he is trying to provoke a reaction and trying to get him to transform, I guess. That's what I can't Well, I just thought he was trying to put him out of commission long enough to go and find Xavier, but it does play like, come on, turn for me. Yeah, come on, turn for (laughs) me. Um... But he does, and there's, you know, he's again a much more feral beast than the Kelsey Grammer version. Um, he's I quite like his at... version of Beast though, because he kind of, he's very much, you know, because like his character is meant to be kind of like a sort of, was it Mark Bannard, kind of almost like scientist, very, too very academic as well, and. It, it, would, yeah, definitely, it would definitely be a take on a Bruce Banner, wouldn't it? Yeah, I was yeah, definitely took the words out of my mouth there for sure, or in terms of yeah, Bruce Banner or like. Jekyll and Hyde, but like both at the at the extremes, obviously not, yeah. a, not a mad scientist sort of thing. But you know, he's yeah, kind of although he so. doesn't ha- he doesn't have the same mindless element. I mean, he's no, no, of course not. It's not no. as mindless as like the Savage Hulk or anything. No. Um, but what we get to basically, Xavier is now walking. He looks quite dishevelled. He's walking around in like a you know dressing gown, a robe. You know, he's drinking, um, and Hank's just trying to look after him. But they take. They take these this drug intravenously to hold back the symptoms of their mutation. Hank just takes a little bit of it, but he says to um, Wolverine that the professor's taken a lot of it. Quite why, I don't know, whether it comes with a high or he's that desperate to, to, to know it's going to work, I don't know. But it's a serum to control mutation. And I don't see the point of this as a story, as a plot point at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just dumb when you think, think about it. It's like, well, okay, well, you have uh, Xavier in, like you know, already in a wheelchair. Just accept it and move on. Just, yeah. you know, I mean, unless you like redcon it and say, like, well, you know, I'm I'm able to walk, but, you know, it means I'm limping. After, you know, I can only manage so much or something. Like, you know, I've... I've, I've managed to get better over the years or eventually yeah. this injury will I, paralyze I, me like yeah, or something I, I, I have been told that eventually i will be paralyzed again yes like oh yeah 
I, I don't know why they're bringing this up. I mean, they, they could, he could be, I don't know. I don't see, I don't really see the point, but okay, we'll go along with it. We've got, it, Charles it, is a bit of a broken It's just because I think, you know, when you in fact the idea, I mean, it's just a hard thing to take. And I know it's like, you know, it, it's a Marvel movie that has like, you know, mutants with superpowers and, and whatnot. But you have a guy who can cure himself of his ability to walk. Yeah, it's, it's just like. It, I, but it's I, both I sides of it, isn't it? I've always focused on the fact that, hang on a minute, they can cure mutation years before that. And you've rightly said, well, what about non mutants? They can cure paralysis, for goodness yeah. sake. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, he, he, he's, he's literally on a miracle cure here. So he, he could, like, make himself, like, an absolute. Well, he probably, probably, always, probably always a wealthy guy anyway. But, do you know what I mean? If he's so, devo- if he's so devoted to, like,. The, the greater good surely that'd be one of the things he'd be doing yeah yeah but, absolutely but, um, all right oh, oh by the way here's this thing i found yeah yeah so it's all about him trying to convince because bear, bear in mind um apart from the brief cameo in first class charles really hasn't met wolverine here you know he was just he was just a guy in a bar 11 years before briefly um, so the, it's likely he wouldn't even remember him. So he's mm. now got to convince himself that he knows him, that he's from the future, and that they need some help. And he is able. He kind of, he kind of leverages the whole sort of mystique thing for it because that's the thing Charles feels most guilty about. I suppose that's the biggest argument for having him a bit broken. But actually, you just cut quarter of an hour off the film and don't bother with this bollocks. But fair enough. Yeah, because um, like you wouldn't have to convince him. He'd just say, "Well, fine, just read my mind," and he will. He'd be like, "Oh, right, yeah." Well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. And and that is over explained, right? You get straight away that when he can walk. His mind can't read others, and he's not tortured by constantly mm. hearing mutants. That was never painted as something that tortured him, but okay. Um, he explains more than once in the film that when this comes back, pointing it as a head, these go, or vice versa, when this go, mm. these this comes back. It's like we got it, we got it the first time we saw you. But he's he's able to convince him, um, and he's told him stuff about himself, and he's convinced him of who he is. And they need um, Magneto at this point. And Magneto is in a prison basically under the Pentagon uh, because he killed John F. Kennedy. Supposedly. Which, well, yeah. Thing is, though, the whole thing with that magic bullet thing is it assumes they were all sat a certain way in the car. They weren't. They were all leading in different directions. The bullet went in a perfectly straight line. But anyway. just read up on the case. It is, it, it is a total myth that that bullet changed direction. But anyway, from for this story, they're um, they're build they're building into that. And he, he said he was trying to save him because he was a mutant. Whatever. Um, Mystique is uh, meanwhile going to um, uh, Trask's um, office to basically uh, find out what Trask is up to and finds mm. that. Um, Finds that he's been experimenting uh, on other mutants, so we see he has, and um, he's going to be meeting with the Vietnamese government. I'm assuming that's funding. Mm. Um, so, so next we next we get to the superior of the two Quicksilvers we we've talked about on this show. Yeah, and then um, this is one thing that people weren't expecting. Actually, uh, people were expecting Marvel to do a better job. 
of Quicksilver because um, because he when when the, the first appearance of him, people were like, oh my god, his his hair's really bad. Yeah, he's like he, he, wearing he, a wig. He doesn't look great, but it, there was like a lot of fun in the scene. So we mm. were like, well, if they've done that this well with its faults, Marvel will will fucking storm this, and mm. they they really didn't. <laughs> um, I, I was. I, 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 you know, I don't get that emotionally invested in the Marvel films by and large, except perhaps Endgame and certainly um, days, um, the Winter Soldier where he visits Peggy. There are times I got emotional, but not that often. But I must say, when Pietro was shot in Age of Ultron, I was like, oh, good, he's out the fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is the same skill set. Now, in the original books, this is the son of Magneto. Uh, if you think about it for too long, it doesn't work on the ages here. It's hinted at, well, it's more than hinted at in a future film, not really here so much. Um, it's confusing because you've got the two oh. different studios and you've got various different actors, haven't you? So it's a little bit like, oh. I'd love what they do with the next film. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah, that'll, mean, be, that'll be good for some discussions. Do you mean his sequence in the next film? Uh, I know, I mean um, the, the, the fact that they hint about him being uh, who his father is. Yeah, and then, really... like, and then like, and then you know they they set up and then do absolutely nothing with it. It's great, absolutely great. Yeah, absolutely nothing. And this guy don't age either. He's like a moody teenager here, which would put him as being born probably in the early fifties, which is feasible, which is possibly feasible for the Magneto. Um, yeah, on yeah. on age he would have had to be very young. You would have had to have him at like. 16 or 17 maybe mm. but that's possible people do become parents at that age but as it goes on and neither of them age it just looks fucking ridiculous he's, he's still a moody teenager in the fucking 90s but anyway um so, this so is... they have to break out break into the pentagon don't they um yeah. and this is someone who wolverine knows um how well, we don't know but he does yeah so you know obviously he knows him before this date but yes. you know obviously knows he's around knows like well and he's he's super fast, mm. and he can get him to do stuff because they know the sort of thing he's been up to, and he's you know he's stolen stuff and all the rest of it because he's so quick. Mm. I mean, when we first see him, he's playing table tennis against himself, um, and he's a very flippant character. Too much of him. What I like about this film and the next one, in terms of this character, is that less is more. You you don't want this character in every bloody scene. And he's not. They they use him in a few scenes, but it, 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 he's mainly one sort of set piece. Yeah. And that's the set piece we're about to get, which is him sort of breaking Magneto out of prison. Uh, a very heavily guarded prison uh, through a kitchen and God knows what else. And the only the only nitpick I've got is he's he's moving at super speed, but listening to music at normal speed that doesn't make sense but anyway um <laughs> it's a fun sequence though isn't it what do you think becca yeah definitely i think yeah it's probably one of the best well for me one of the best sequences in the film for sure um great fun great fun it's i think not... I, I think this is probably one of the um i don't know i kind of i think i probably prefer this iteration of it. I think it is like perennially a moody teenager um but yeah i think it's pretty cool um it's probably one of my sort of favorite iterations of the character sorry well, it's better than the very, very bland Eastern European we got in the Marvel Universe. I mean, it's not that he's Eastern European, that's not a problem, but it just doesn't 
the 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 guy came off as quite bland. Yeah, I think it's because we didn't obviously because um oh god, Wanda. <laughs> I yeah. can't remember her name there for a minute. Um, Scarlet Witch. Um, is probably the focus is going to be more on her. Um, yeah. and obviously over in Fox Universe, we kind of get the more focus on um on Quicksilver. Um, but I think at the time like the focus was on her. We didn't know too much about him. Um. And I think it's good, like in, in this on this studio, um, we kind of find out, you know, find out more about him really and, and what he can do, what purpose he can serve. Um, that's that's not. Um, oh God, I'm terrible with remembering. Is, is it Aaron Taylor Johnson? This is um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Kickass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, sorry, the next connection. Is, sorry, this is this isn't. That was it. Stuff. That was it. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I mean, he still gives you know a member performance. I I quite rate him as an actor, and he's he's pretty good. And you know, whatever he does, um, I think he's really given like a deaf performance. Um, it's just the fact that you know he didn't really have much to do. Um, but yeah, this the, the the scene. Sorry, in, in this film, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty memorable. I think for me. Yeah, it's good fun. Um, I I think it was one of the things I, I I quite liked the sequence in Apocalypse, but it it did feel like a total redo, just in a very slightly different environment, and that made the film look a bit lazy. It's like oh, time for him to do that again. Then all right, um, where do we go to after this? So now they're all out of prison, or they're all together. Uh, Hank. Hank, Charles, Eric, and Wolverine are on a on a plane now to go to Paris to stop this assassination. And we do have Fassbender's best scene in the film, where he's basically saying, you know, you were when he Charles says you took you know all these people from me, and he's like, well, where were you? You know, they were taken mm-hmm. on, experimented, and killed. And that's obviously the implication that that was Trask. Um, and the plane nearly crashes before he calms down. At the same time, Mystique is sort of seducing a guy from the Vietnamese military uh, so she can impersonate him and, and go get to Trask in the in the first place. Although Trask has, on the day, we find out a tracker for mutants anyway, so he's aware. Uh. Uh, he d- uh, This is where we find out he didn't kill JFK. He was trying to save him. Um I don't give a fuck about that. And then they play chess because they're contractually obliged to play chess every time <laughs> they're together. But yeah, it has to happen, doesn't it, really? I think it's because they're both supposed to be sort of posh British gentlemen. I mean, well, it's, just they're always, it's just they're always kind of locked in some kind of battle, be it yeah, chess or it, otherwise. It's a shortcut for I'm an intellectual. They don't sit down and it play. It is, like, yeah, pretty much. They they're not going to sit there playing like, guess who, are they? they don't, or, yeah, like... they don't sit there and play rummy, do they? <laughs> He's so, like, my or some other. Buckaroo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love that. I think Operation. Buckaroo, I think Buckaroo should be in every high stakes film, to be honest. Um, this is a parody where they're, pay, where they're playing like Buckaroo. I mean, or it, it, needs tense. it could go up any time. Well, it could, you know. Yeah. He could buck that crap off himself and mess things up considerably. So we get we get to the sort of conference day and he's still trying to convince them of the threat posed by mutants. He's trying to get funding basically he demonstrates how the rose you know the robots don't have any metal so wolverine uh, wolverine sorry magneto can't do anything and no no new mutant can um and then he he describes that they can distinguish mutants from non-mutants and he's got like a detector he detects um, mystique and then of course that all kicks out off but before the sort of shooting that would take place in the original timeline uh the guys turn up to try to stop her yeah, and um, yeah, and so Magneto. Well, they they do, um, and then Magneto decides to 
kill Mystique for the greater good. Yeah, and this is where I start. I quite like this bit, everything in that room, because we've had flashbacks to it. So it feels like you're watching history being mm. made live. And I quite like that. And I do like the bit that's coming where he moves the stadium. But only as a concept. Everything else from now on, I start to lose a bit of interest. Well, I mean, I think this is one one of the problems is it's kind of like, well, what was the point? You kind of got, you just free Magneto, got him to join you, and already he's like going off script and and doing his own thing. So, you know, I mean, I I get it from his perspective, but from a, a story narrative point of view, it was like, what kind of was the point? It's also the fact that they then inter, inter, intercut it with Logan struggling to keep the connection from mm. the present or from the future, the present day in film terms. And I just think that, well, that's busy work. We know that will sort itself out. Now, you could say that about any action sequence, couldn't you? Oh, we know the good guy's going to win. What's the point? Of course, a lot of these things are busy work, but it just felt like padding. And then we've got this whole bit where the president's going to come. There's a fight between Magneto and Beast, which is pretty decent. That's all right. Particularly as the shock of the crowd when they're seeing two fully, two full-on mm-hmm. mutants going going at it fighting, um, that's pretty cool. And it's it's intercut with a bit of home footage. That's like one of some of Brian Singer's best work in the film. But then we've got we're going to have this president's speech, and she's now going to Raven is now going to shoot Trask, you know, out there instead. And they're trying to identify her. And at the same time, Magneto's, you know, being the militant mutiny is is going to drop a football stadium on it. And it just, I just, I don't care at this point. And I don't know if it's because I don't know which iteration of these people we're supposed to be most interested in. Is, is this, is this, are we supposed to care about present day Wolverine, this Wolverine? You know what I mean? It's all a bit... This is busy work now, and it's like, will she shoot the president? Probably not, because had she done, she'd have been killed very quickly, and we know Mystique is very unlikely to die here. Um, and of course, um, how do they get the? How do we get the? Um, how do we get the sort of sentinels going off? Going off now. So um, Magneto tracks them down on a train and somehow somehow um fuses um like gets control of the well puts metal inside them so he can he can control them and somehow that manages to operate all their um all their wire work and it doesn't yeah it doesn't make sense all right fair enough but he gets control of them um he's trying to stop what have we got then um Oh yeah, Trask has got like a blood sample of her now, haven't they? Yeah, um, which, is, which, is, of... which is one of the key things that they need for the Sentinels, because they can. Um... Well, because then they can take on mutations yeah. and stuff like that, and copy and so on. Um, into small strat, yeah. So, um, airport. We've got Charles trying to talk to. Mystique through different people, which is quite a nice sequence. I like that. It's what I'm saying, less than the sum of its parts, because bits like this are really good. Mm. He can't stop her, and they depart for Washington um, for the proper for the proper press conference, which is the bit I'm referring to. You know, this is this was the bit just before that. 
Uh, we've got some more present day stuff. Will they? Won't they? Keep the link. Who cares? Because um, they will. Otherwise, the film won't happen. Um, and yeah, we're, we're basically at the White House, and President Nixon is going to be um, presenting the Sentinels, which I don't fully understand because they said no to the funding, and this is like right after what's just happened in the Far East. So I'm a bit confused. But anyway, suddenly now it's all it's all full speed ahead. And she's going to have another go at killing, killing Bolivar Trask. Possibly the president as well. I didn't pick mm. up on that. Um, but the thinking of the good guys is now, if she goes ahead with this, she's not going to stop anything. She's just going to accelerate us being thought of as a threat. And the Sentinel threat will continue to grow. They'll continue to be mm. developed and so on. Which is sound enough not sound enough but why they were never a threat during the original x-men trilogy i've no idea whatsoever um because she did kill that day she did kill bolivar trask that day in the 70s even though we saw him in the year 2000 um, different timeline no it's not at this stage it's the same timeline until the end of this film. I mean, I mean, I think they would. I mean, that's that's the problem. That's the problem. They've kind of like muddied it a bit, so they kind of like, well, it kind of. The timeline like, changes with their success at mm. the end of this film. That resets the timeline, and actually wipes most of the original X Men trilogy out in terms of how we experienced it. Mm. They obviously still met Logan. They still did all that, and Logan stayed and that. But the whole Dark Phoenix thing didn't happen, although it's going to happen again. But there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They've wiped the slate clean in order to fuck it right up again. Um, but at this stage, no, this this shouldn't have happened. Bolivar Trask was not killed in 1973. We know that from the first film. But he wasn't a big character. He looked completely different. So it is possible for the audience to go forget about it. It doesn't matter. Mm. And perhaps it perhaps it is more comic book faithful. I don't know. So I, I don't really have a massive problem with it. The problem I've got with this now is I don't feel any tension. And I don't know why I don't feel any tension. You've got these machines firing. You've got this stadium being lifted. You've got them trying to find Mystique and stop a murder. And all of it is just like, I'm sure they'll be fine. I, I don't know why that is. I found a, I found it a lot more tense watching them on, you know, that that Cuban beach in the in the last film, the last film proper. And I don't know what else I've got to say about this now, really. Um, yeah, I mean, they all they all nearly die, but don't. Magneto ends up under, uh, sorry, Wolverine ends up underwater, sort of pinned. But he is rescued and obviously will survive. We think well, that's quite got... a tense scene, though. I think it is, and it, but I mean, he's rescued by we think William Stryker, so we think he's going off for the experimentation, Ironically. which is not what we just saw X Men Origins Wolverine. That's not what happened, but all right, the timeline is actually just about to reset. But it also makes Wolverine not do anything. Like he's he's basically just like a, a companion, really. Yeah, he's a companion to Charles, who's just like. He's there to explain things, really. That's he, it. He's there for the marketability of mm. this universe's Wolverine character. He's now captured by William Stryker. We find out at the end of the room, because she always has to flash her eyes yellow just to show everyone it's not really the guy she's been impersonating. Mm. And so he's obviously been taken by mystique, which means he's safe. Well, in the next film, that wasn't the case. They couldn't keep him safe. Stryker would not have had the same obsession with 
Wolverine. That's not how he came into Wolverine's life and orbit. And even if this brings him in in a different way, if Wolverine has, is rescued from Stryker, why is he the mutant he's now obsessed with forever? Mm. Particularly when you've got Deadpool, you know, who, who is healing as well. It doesn't really matter. The fact is we we end up with it all being stopped, which means we go... When he wakes up, Wolverine, he's not on this boat. He's in present day at the school he's a history teacher there gene is still alive beast is working there scott summers is still alive and when he says the professor's alive and well and still running the school and when he says to him um you've got a class to teach he said history and he said well i need a bit of help with that everything after 1973 he says of course what's the last thing you remember wouldn't and he just course. be fucked? I mean, can, can you imagine, like... Hang on, so what's happened there? Because what I feel like you were, like, in a proper serious relationship. <laughs> yeah. you, you were, I was like, oh, actually, I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. They all know you, or they all know a version of you, but that's a version of you that was civilised a lot earlier than this version. Yeah. Because presumably he stayed with them after 1973 and has been working at the school for like three or four decades, if not longer. Mm. Um, and also if you say, fill me in on everything from 1973, I don't think that's an afternoon's conversation. No, that's good. You, you, you might have the big you? points. You might have the big points. Oh, well, you know, we invaded Iraq in 1990 and then this <laughs> happened. You know, you know what I mean? You, you'd have the major points, but you wouldn't have the whole history of your life. I mean, he could be... to be like the, um, Mm. I've got Spongebob Squarepants one week later and, and that's the X-Men films from now on because next week we're going to move to the 1980s go straight back to the original crew crowbar Wolverine in a bit there that doesn't make sense even though I quite like his sequence um, the characters won't age correctly they won't be acting in line with what we know of them the following week we're going to go into the 90s in between those two things we're going to see a Wolverine film that has him uh six years after the events of this film 2029 i think it was and everyone's dead and he's got dementia and wolverine's losing his powers and we've got uh, a character stephen merchant's character in it who's not consistent with the timeline it's a really good film but from now on they stephen don't Merchant's care. brilliant stephen merchant's brilliant actually yeah um he's great in it well, i'm trying to think what his character's called now i've forgotten I want to say something like Caliban. This was like yeah, it's Caliban. It turns up in next week as actually as well. But it might it? not be, <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't make sense when he turns mm. up next week in the ages and everything. But that's the universe from from now on. Yeah, it's from, a bit from, all over from, the place. From, from sort of first class onwards, really, the high points of this series are about individual moments with individual directors or individual writers um surpassing the the sort of standards of the studio if you like because the general corporate direction of this series is whatever every couple of years and they value it because it makes them money but i think this is emblematic of some of the series problems it's got it's got things i like about it i really do in, in in individual scenes it's really good in design it's really good in performances it's outstanding and that's not a given i mean even in apocalypse i seem to recall james mcavoy who's always reliable struggling with some of the crap dialogue he's given in some sequences um it's all quite strong here but it, it's it's a patchwork of 
like Chris said, fan service, all of all very abruptly thrown at us. Not sure who we're supposed to be caring about, particularly shitting on continuity left, right and centre. The, the pacing, not really that great. Major things left unexplained. And uh, an end film, which I thought was better than some of what we're still about to get, better than some of what we've already had, but a major letdown after um, X-Men First Class. And that's my final thoughts on it. Becca? Thoughts now now (laughs) we've talked sequentially? Yes. I think, yeah, for a film that's got quite a lot of sort of threads running through it, it does sort of struggle under the weight of some of them. Um, it just kind of like labour on some of them as well. It's just like oh, struggling, struggling. Um, but yeah, I would say in some, you know, kind of visuals and effects and everything, it really does, you know, really does hold well. It's just going. And that's not a given going forward either. There's well, exactly. Yeah, I think Apocalypse has got some ropey effects. There was one. Uh, whenever I think of that, my, my I don't know why. I, I need to find out where a where I've seen it. B what it's called. Um, but there's, there's some kind of effect, I think, maybe used in, in the titles and the credits. I'm not sure. I can't remember until I watch it next time. Um, but it's like going into one of those like simulators, like in the 90s, where you have like a, a CGI kind of experience, I guess, or one of those kind of VR simulators. The worst shot I remember from the worst. And it's, shot it's literally that bad. It's just like the, oh my literally, god. Literally, the worst shot I remember from Apocalypse, apart from Apocalypse himself looking really like rubbery and shit, was that. Um, there was a shot of like a container like a ship you know the ships that carry all the containers Mm. um that looked really cg i think it was a bit like first class they rushed it yeah you you can see like all the money's kind of on the screen but you kind of think well they did there's kind of element that's like quick you know we've got to get as much of it on there as we can and unfortunately it just doesn't doesn't look as polished as perhaps it should do um but we can go into the mechanics of it and you know why why we ended up with the film that we did um but yeah i think for me certainly in terms of days of future past it does kind of struggle under the weight of its own ambition a little bit i mean as i say visually effects wise it looks beautiful um but there are some little bits of the timeline that perhaps don't tie up but then it is one of those series where the timeline is all over the place um so yeah kind of plot wise emotion wise it kind of doesn't live up to the hype unfortunately um so yeah i kind of a little bit left um left wanting unfortunately with this one um but still you know it was, it was a good watch i still had a good time still enjoyed it it would just be kind of like middle middle yeah. to kind of we're, we're damning with fake praise none of us dislike it it's just remember it's okay it's, it's like, like, well, like this for is example, the return of the x2 director this is the direct sequel to x-men first class which really reinvigorated the series well, exactly. and and you've got, the as, last... as you say we've got brian singer as well who really you know he took the reins of this this was his baby essentially um and then unfortunately it turns out because he'll shit on everything he set up this week next week but it's also mm. the last full length appearance in one of these films for hugh jackman until logan so the what's Logan's in around this film just makes you go it's not working as well here but it no, doesn't mean it's, it's, it's bad it's, it's far better than x-men 3 it is from memory better than apocalypse it's better than x-men origins it's better than dark phoenix it, it, it is not a bad film. It's in and around the standard of the first X-Men film. But when you think of expectations for it, hype for they it... They were considerably higher. And some of the feedback this film's got, I'm thinking, no, I, I, I'm not seeing it the way as some people are seeing it. Chris? Yeah, kind of the same, really. I mean, I think... I think the problems are generally it it does it, it it is embrace the fan service elements um a bit too much um i mean it 
there is there is quality in here. You know, I can kind of see like the, you know the, the effects from um, from first class, and I can kind of almost see like there there are some really good sequences and like you know the, the, obviously the the quality of the film itself is is decent. I just end up not caring so much about this one. I don't know what it is. Um, we've tried uh, to explain, but I don't think we've entirely been successful. Because uh, it does yeah. sound like we're nitpicking it, but that—that's what it comes down to. We, we don't I mean, feel like, look, yeah. about characters and it's, it's frustrating. I, it's frustrating. I have a bunch of nitpicks, sure, but I think ultimately, I just—I just, I just don't find it. the story that engaging. Me um, neither, and I expected to. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably what it is. I don't think the story is that great. There's not enough meat on the bones, other than like it's the end of the world. We have to do this kind of thing. Uh, whereas like the, the 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 stuff apart from like you know the the assassinations and the the you know, the lifting of, of stadiums. I mean, it does have Fastbender being cool. You know, I mean, it still has a few things like that. But at the end of the day. Um, I've just kind of something out of it, um, and I'll say as uh, well was as bad as next week's film may may be. At least it's not boring. At least it engaged me. Yeah, fair enough. Would you be more engaged if you? Well, I'm assuming you're clueless, Chris, and it's only because I am. I don't know if you are as well. Hmm. I I was expecting to see like. Well, I, I thought I was I was expecting to see Simon Cowell judging acts, and it was just <laughs> and it was just a load of bollocks about some bloke in a wheelchair. Um, so I, I I don't think I've got the most out of this. What about you? No, I mean I think I probably need some extra knowledge. Yeah, I think we should crack on with that because I know I I know the person with all the knowledge, and it, and she's here. She's here tonight, Chris. Who is she? She's here to save us. Yes, she is. Well, no, that's probably a bit much. I don't think five IMDb facts are going to save us. She, she's here to make our demise less painful. Um, <laughs> Becca. I'll, go, I'll be coming down with you, so, you know. Um, yes, barrel scraping Go facts. down the sinking ship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um... Oh, God. Kind hearts and coronets. Anyway, yes, random facts scraped from the barrel of the internet um not kind of really a fact fun fact but i thought it was quite interesting seeing as it's a couple of years away um original days of future past comic um was set i think in 2013 and obviously when, when filming started on on this film um but obviously this time it, it's kind of implied that the action takes place in 2023 so look at the skies um perfect number two quicksilver slow motion sequence was made usually mainly practical effects like high speed photography with cgi um being used for like the movement of the objects midair, which I didn't know. I kind of thought, oh, it was all done CGI, and maybe he kind of moved around like on a rig in the seat or something. But no, it was mainly done practically, which I think was makes it even more impressive. Um, I don't know if I can say this. So I shall refer it by its other name. I'm not too sure. Um, for any acting types who might be maybe listening in, um, so Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, and Ian McKellen have all played the title role in the Scottish play in on the screen. Scottish play, yes. yes. Which I think and, is very and, cool. And, and I think that's Black a really Ad- fun fact. And watch Blackadder the third for what you have to do when you accidentally say the name. <laughs> <of things. laughs> uh, oh my dear. Um, I think the Ian McKellen version of that is 
I wonder if it, I think it might be the Trevor Nunn that I say if you can track it down, it's well worth a watch. I mean, I mean that plays always well worth watch. It's very hard going anyway. Um, and the most recent well, one of my favourite division as well is absolutely fantastic yeah. to watch. I can't That's wait for Hugh Jackman's take on um, Macbeth. Ah! Oh, <laughs> <you're> <laughs> I am. I am going to uh, put a clip of it on our social media pages. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. It can do like a sweary version. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, fun fact from before. Um, yep. I, I, I can't remember if we mentioned this or not. I think you might have done it at the top of the show. Sorry about that. I wasn't paying attention. Um, we see classic Star Trek in this in this film. Um, apparently the, the episode on show is The Naked Time, I think, is when the crew is sent back. Um, 70 hours in time. And then fun fact number five, Rick Remain was the only actor from the first few films not to reprise a role, as obviously J Law plays Mystique. Yeah. Okay. She'll come back next week with even more barrel scraping. <laughs> I, I keep mishearing it. I keep thinking you're saying barrel scraping. That sounds painful. I have one of those. It's not nice. <laughs> okay. Not well, really. That, 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 that's, that's like a sixth fun fact. Not really, of course. I don't think they even do that. Oh dear. But no, it's literally like the bottom of the barrel. Okay, uh, that's fun, folks. As for <laughs> social media... Not really that's barrel, folks. That's, that's barrels, folks. That saves you reading crappy facts off the Tinderweb, so yeah. I wasn't going to read five about bowels. <laughs> okay. Yeah, listen uh, about bowels, folks. Anyway. Owls, that'll be all right. As for social media, you can find me at the Pastor Kid 1976 on Twitter. Ah, oh, you can find all the old uh, episodes, uh, the ones that aren't missing on iTunes and um, on your whatever your podcast provider is, uh, on the website simtrotico.uk. We're all on there. And you can find us on Twitter at expectstalk. Anyway, um, yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, and anywhere else. You like to listen to us. Um, I think iTunes. They kind of there's a setting on there where you can increase the number of episodes that you have. Um, there's another podcast that I listen to, and they've got an excess of about 300, 350 um, episodes, but only a, a small amount are, are available. And it's just like, come on, you know. And they're not on as many platforms, so. So I said, oh, how about trying some of these? So yeah, you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, and anywhere else you like to listen to us. We really hope that the next time we record, we'll be saying we return with something very exciting. But in the interim, Becca. Oh, I got Commodian sigh. <laughs> well, I know because we're in. We're coming up to the end of September, beginning of October, two thousand and twenty-one, oh. and there will be no more delays. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, unless a last-minute government decision happens, which. <laughs> So let's let's leave. And eventually, we will come back with something incredibly exciting let's in a few weeks' time. I wonder what that could be. But in the meantime, dear Expect to Talk will return with X Men Apocalypse. Insert comedian sigh here. <sighs> I literally, I literally got a comedian sigh. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>